0: This week on Wealth Track, the connection between trade policy, the economy, and markets. How significant? Leading international economist Nick Sargent explains next on Consuelo Mack Wealth Track. Hello, and welcome to this Wealth Track podcast. I'm Consuelo Mack. Today's focus is the connection between trade policy and the economy and markets. What impact is the trade war between the U.S. and China having on the U.S. economy? Is trade uncertainty contributing to the global slowdown? Joining me is Nick Sargent, a leading international economist turned global investment strategist as well. Sargent is economic advisor to Fort Washington Investment Advisors, the investment arm of Western and Southern Financial. He is also the author of several books, including Global Shocks, An Investment Guide for Turbulent Markets, and most recently, Investing in the Trump Era, How Economic Policies Impact Financial Markets. Nick Sargent, thanks so much for joining us on Wealth Track, and let's cut right to the chase. What impact is the trade war between the U.S. and China having on the U.S. economy so far?
1: Consuela, great question. My answer is that um, the most visible um, sign of an impact is on our manufacturing sector. And um, where it's showing up is that when we look at surveys of the manufacturing sector, They basically, um, they had started off relatively high a year ago, but when about the time the trade war began, they've steadily shown slower, slower, slower growth. And this past month, um, we actually, for the first time, indicated, uh, based on surveys, maybe a mild contraction of the manufacturing sector. And I would say, you know, if you think about it, it makes sense because the tariffs are on goods that are traded. And that's what manufacturing is about, as opposed to the service sector, which is more domestically oriented. So that's the most visible impact. But I think, Consuelo, the point for people to be looking forward to is will the consumer who has been shielded so far, because the first two rounds of tariffs mainly were on goods, say, that affected the business sector. And the latest round that's supposed to begin in September and then maybe uh, be extended into December for the first time are significantly going to impact consumer goods. So when people go to Walmart or any of the stores that import a lot from China, for the first time, they will be seeing price effects, higher prices. And then the question is, will that cause the consumer who's been the support for the economy to start to give some ground.
0: I might add the consumer has been holding up very well. Consumer confidence is up. How quickly does the consumer respond to prices being raised? I mean, how price sensitive are we? And of course, everybody knows that this is a consumer driven economy.
1: I think it's a a matter of degree. Uh, For example, the um, tariffs that are supposed to go into effect in just um another week um you know they're going to be about 10 percent of the price of the import but the truth of the matter is that um the businesses that do the importing and even the chinese they may take um some of the hit in terms of uh, the tariff. so my guess is that um on 10 percent Maybe the price effect that the consumer sees, let's say ballpark is um, half of that. So maybe the consumer will see on uh, goods that they purchase maybe 5% increase. My conclusion is that um, I don't think that's going to be the difference for the consumer that this is something they can't live with. So I think they'll be able to absorb it and therefore um, I'm not sure uh, how much of the impact. However, What I would tell people is if, because Trump has said, if 10% doesn't bring the Chinese around, we could go 25%. I would be very, very concerned about the impact the consumer sees. And I think that could be a tipping point in terms of erosion of consumer confidence. So, um, So the answer is, initially, probably modest impact. But if it escalated, I'd be much more concerned.
0: The trade war's impact on the markets has been much more dramatic. What is your assessment of what's going on in the markets?
1: When I go back and look at how the stock market's done under the Trump era, you know, as we all remember from the time of election till around um, early uh, 2018, the stock market was up, up in a way, just a phenomenal run, 35 40% increase. Since then, um, we've had pretty much sideways market, but very volatile. And the, every uh, instance in which there's been downside volatility, and there have been about three or four of them, have coincided with an escalation in the trade war. And uh, so that'll lead to a sell off. But then, you know, usually after you see a big sell off, policymakers, certainly the Trump administration and even the Chinese, try to, um, you know, calm things down. And we're going to go back to the negotiating table. That's been the pattern. What I'm concerned with today is that I think there is no solution in sight. We are at a complete standoff. We are playing brinksmanship. And the president makes a statement I never thought I'd hear, that um, US businesses should stop doing business with China. My concern uh, now is that we're farther apart than we've ever been towards finding a solution. And if anything, Uh, situation has escalated. You
0: wrote a book on investing in the Trump era, how economic policies impact financial markets, which I mentioned in my introduction to you, Um, I mean, how prescient were you in doing that? So the economic policies that we're seeing out of the Trump administration some of them have been positive right and but it's the it just seems that the trade policies are the ones that have been uh the most negative.
1: Well, I, uh completely agree with that assessment. And so what what were the positive um policies that fueled the stock market rise in 2017 and the answer in short is the markets of course like corporate tax cuts what's not to like that will boost after tax profits and markets like deregulation less government interference in the economy so that was the good Uh, the bad i think is that the budget deficit is just blowing out in fact congressional budget office is keeps ramping up projected deficits so far it's not had a negative effect on interest rates mainly because the rest of the world the yields are flat to negative but The ugly in my good, bad, and ugly was a trade war. um, Because, um, unlike the president who says it's easy to win a trade war, my view is that no one wins a trade war. And uh, again, what we're trying to see is will the situation, will we be able to find a solution or is the situation going to spiral out of control? So, relative to what I expected when I kind of warned about a trade war, I would say it's actually been worse than I had expected. Um, And I maintain it's the biggest risk for the global economy and could be for the U.S. economy. But first, it will impact abroad before it impacts the U.S.
0: It's interesting. The other major player uh, is, of course, the Federal Reserve and central banks in general. But specifically the U.S. Federal Reserve. And in the past, the pattern has been uh, that the markets have paid a lot of attention to what the Federal Reserve is doing. And in fact, if the Federal Reserve is making noises that they're going to, uh, you know, cut interest rates or take more easing actions, the markets have responded quite positively. And certainly when the Fed actually does it, um, they respond positively as well. But The sense recently, uh, as the trade talk um, has and the trade war language has escalated this tit for a tat, uh, is that the the Fed almost uh, seems not to have the impact that it used to have. What is your assessment of how the Fed can uh, influence events and uh, their influence on the markets?
1: The way in which I think about it is that uh, there are two questions. Will the Fed lowering interest rates, you know, they did a quarter of a point uh, at the prior meeting, um, and let's say they do another one or two, is that going to be enough to prevent a further slowing of the U.S. economy? And my answer is I do not believe it will. I think that we are headed for a slower growth and it remains to be seen whether that becomes a recession. In the short run though, there is no doubt that investors um, want the Fed to ease. It tends to be good for the stock market. We've seen this throughout our history that when things get bad, if the Fed comes in and eases, as, as you suggest, the market rises temporarily. But to have a lasting impact, uh, you have to say that that easing is ultimately going to help the economy and help boost corporate profits. Because if that doesn't happen and the Fed eases and the market just goes up higher in knee-jerk fashion, what have you done? You've raised valuations without improving the underlying profit fundamentals and that's how you sometimes can get asset bubbles where um, prices just go up higher than can be supported. I don't think we're at that point, but that to me would be the risk um if um if the Fed continued in in this direction.
0: As far as asset bubbles, are you seeing any uh, certainly some observers are saying that the, you know, the US Treasury market is in a bubble and that it's way overvalued. Uh, What's your assessment of the situation as far as bubbles are concerned, and also valuations in both the
1: stock and bond markets? I would say that um, the hardest thing for any of us to explain is the steep decline in treasury yields since about November of last year, let's say the last nine months. They've fallen um, oh, about 160 basis points, um, 1.6 percentage points decline from three to ballpark one, six. You know, that's a huge decline. And so we're trying to say, well, has the economy weakened that much or inflation expectations? And the answer is no, the economy softened, but you can't explain it off that. So I believe that the key factor behind that decline is not what's happening in the US, but what's happening outside the US. So um, today, uh, if I take Japan, and I take European bond markets, volume of government debt in those two parts of the world that has negative bond yields has tripled in the last nine months to about $16 trillion. So basically, the decline in U.S. bond yields is in large part being dragged down by negative interest rates outside the United States. And, um, you know, so the difficult question then is how long can this continue? And I still remember, Consuelo, you interviewed me when we first saw negative yields. And we both shook, shook our heads and thought it would be an anomaly. And now what we thought was an anomaly is... Um, you know, lasted much longer, and uh, if anything, worsened. Um, So um, my concern is that this is not ultimately sustainable, but I don't know exactly what turns the situation uh, around. So have the bond markets turned too negative? Possibly. but if, if we go around the world and say, where do you see signs of recession? I would say Europe to me is looking on the cusp of recession. Germany already had a slightly negative number for the second quarter, same for Britain. And then we're facing the prospect of Brexit. We've got political problems in Italy, uh, etc. So I think that um that's going to keep bond yields low. They may have moved too low to be sustainable, but um, I think that um, I don't see a quick turnaround. And then when I come, as I say, to the stock market, the anomaly is um, usually when you see declining yields of this sort, usually it's a flight to quality. Uh, and people get out of risk assets, such as equities and like. and you know, we, we're seeing nervousness in the stock market, but we haven't yet seen capitulation. But in my view, the upside for the stock market is limited because if the economy is slowing, profits are slowing. They're not going to be robust as they have been. And um, then the real risk to the downside, I think the Fed tries to provide support, but if the trade war keeps going the wrong direction, um, I see um, the risk as basically a replay of what happened in the fourth quarter of last year, which was not pretty. Which was not pretty. Let me just ask a, a,
0: another question. And you know, I remember talking with you on WealthTrack several times, and about that we were in uncharted territory as far as monetary policy was concerned, in how the Fed and other central banks responded to the uh, financial crisis, you know, with quantitative easing and uh, other means intervention in the capital markets that we had never seen before. Now we're in uncharted territory. um, And again, the the central banks have played a major role in this, in going to negative interest rates. And, uh, you know, we've never been here before either. And so when I think about a flight to quality, I think, well, it used to be in the bond market, at least I'd get, you know, some interest. (laughs) And I would be able to, uh, when the bonds were redeemed, I would you know, at least get my principal back. But now with negative interest rates, I mean, there are you know, people, investors all over the world that are actually paying banks to take their money. It's completely, the world is turned upside down. It concerns me. What are you advising investors?
1: I completely agree with your concerns. And the way I try to explain it, you went back to the global financial crisis. Initially when you were fearful that banks weren't adequately capitalized or didn't have um, liquidity uh, in case there was a run on deposits. um, I believe what saved the financial system was we took the proceeds from TARP, um, which was supposed to be for mortgage-backed securities, and reconverted that program to recapitalize the banks and then the Fed did its injection of reserves into the system, and I think that did stabilize the system. But I believe that the mistake the Fed made is that it went through round two, round three, round four of quantitative easing when um, the economy was doing fine. The financial system wasn't at risk. So what are we saying? We're saying I believe that the trend growth rate of the economy is 2%, and we were growing at that rate. Unemployment was falling, and the Fed will take some credit for that. But what I'm basically saying is that they're trying to do too much, and it's introducing these distortions in the capital markets. And um these distortions then can cause unintended consequences. So one, again, is you keep doing this and you're propping up stock markets to higher valuation levels than are sustainable. And then you do, the you know, the biggest risk that we've been seeing in pre- in previous cycles is you create asset bubbles that um, then, then burst. Um, but right now, I just... Think that um, in Europe, what I worry about with these negative interest rates is, can that be healthy for the banks in Europe? And you know, are we in contributing then to uh, potential problems in the European financial system? I think the U.S. is okay for the time being, but I do worry about the health of um, financial institutions in Europe when I've got negative interest rates.
0: Advice to individual investors, Nick, you know, you are a former chief investment officer at Fort Washington Investment Advisors. What is your advice to us? I mean, most of us are invested pretty heavily in the stock market, in the U.S. stock market. uh, We've done very well by it. You know, we're in a record of a bull market. What are you advising investors? Uh, How
1: do we de-risk? So first piece of advice is know what you don't know. And what do we know? We've said it. We live in unchartered waters. We have not seen this before. And a lot of what we're seeing is, quite frankly, shocking. So I reject advice of people that tell me everything's you know, fine as long as the Federal Reserve eases policy. As I say, I don't think it's going to be as potent, and I worry that it's leading to distortions. So in that context, then I think investors have to ask themselves, what's their risk appetite? And I ask myself this, and I say, am I going to be more unhappy if I went a bit more conservative, They uh, de-emphasized risk assets, and then the market went up? Am I going to kick myself because I missed? Um, another leg up in the market, or am I going to kick myself because amid all this uncertainty, I didn't do anything? So number one, don't add to risk. That's the simple message. Number two is, is it a good time to begin to do some um, reduction of risk in the portfolio? And I think the warning signs are yes and as i say if you said to me what what would cause you to be outright bearish it would be if we escalated uh the trade war with china so that instead of 10% duties um we go to 25% that i think again would undermine consumer confidence which has been What's been holding up the U.S. economy that would if I saw that and I've told my own portfolio manager, if we see that um, go very defensive.
0: Let me just do one follow up before we conclude this discussion. And that is when you're saying lighten up on risk. I mean, know, know what your risk appetite is and, and you know, potentially reduce some risk. So we traditionally think of risk as being stocks. Um, yep. And I would say in this particular environment, risk could also be bonds. Treasuries used to be the safe haven. Gold has certainly been considered to be an insurance policy against disaster. Uh, yes. That's considered to be a safe haven. Um, you know, Do you consider bonds to still be a safe haven that balances the risk that you find in stocks?
1: Um, that's a good question. I would say the following in the fixed income portfolios. Um, again, if we get a flight to quality, you can still have your treasuries rally, because at the end of the day, um, the argument is that the government's not going to default on its debt. So, you know, could you have inflation risk possibly, but I don't think so immediately. But what I worry about is corporations have piled on record amounts of debt because it's been so cheap. And uh, so therefore, I would say that the areas that um, in the bond market that uh, you have to be concerned with is first high yield bonds. They're going to have the most debt. And then even in some cases, um, some areas of investment grade bonds um, for the time being, treasuries don't excite me, but I'm not
0: worried
1: um that I'm gonna face default risk uh, and the like. So here's a safe haven. And then the interesting thing, you mentioned gold. Normally I'm not a gold bug, but in these environments, I would say that I talked to a very prominent investor and he told me that he has been increasing his allocation to gold. And he's a very, very savvy investor. And I said, gee, maybe I should at least give some consideration to that. Because, again, I come back to we're in unchartered times, and people look to gold as a safe haven in unchartered times.
0: They do. Nick Sargent, so great to have you join us for this WealthTrack podcast. Thanks so much.
1: And thank you, Consuelo. It's a pleasure.
0: And Nick Sargent is Economic Advisor to Fort Washington Investment Advisors, the investment arm of Western and Southern Financial group, and also the author of several books, including Global Shocks, and Investment Guide for Turbulent Markets, which we certainly do need <laughs> in these days, and also most recently Investing in the Trump Era, How Economic Policies Impact Financial Markets, and we are seeing that on a day-to-day basis. So I want to thank our listeners for joining us on this Consuelo Mack WealthTrack podcast. For more interviews, go to WealthTrack.com. And of course, make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.